Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everybody? Welcome to Brett Shea's favorite podcast, The Soccer with Trumps! I'm Jimmy Conrad, alongside Keith Pierce, and guess who decided to show up to... It's Charlie, Chuck Wagon, Davis, and uh, Chuck, great to see you. Now, me and Heath dove into the deep end of the drama yesterday between yes. Claudio mm-hmm. Reyna and the Reyna family, I should say, and Greg Berhalter and the Berhalter family. Mm-hmm. But before we move forward and talk about this January camp and Anthony Hudson and all this good stuff, we can talk U-20s as well, such a right. question, retire. We have all these little, these fun things to talk about. Yes. I want to hear, we want to hear from you, Chuck, about uh, all this. And we're going to be eating popcorn while you're talking. Go ahead. It's your turn. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I, I will say one. Um, <laughs> our, our soccer world is, is small, right? So we've, we've all. Oh, that's why you didn't come? Is that why you didn't show up yesterday? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to. Uh, sorry. I, I thought that's where you're heading with this, you know, which is why you, didn't, no, why you just couldn't. couldn't, couldn't I, I, was, I was tied down with meetings. Okay. I was tied down with meetings yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. okay. There's yeah. a new statue going up in, in Boston Common in Boston. It's, uh, the, it's called the Embrace. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, embracing his wife, Coretta Scott King. And it's going to be a massive, similar to like the Bean in Chicago. It's going to be a massive staple in Boston. And it's going to be in the heart of Boston, which is um, – you know, I think it's it's going to change Boston forever. Uh, at least the the conception of of Boston is that it's not the most um, in, inviting city um, and diverse and inclusive city. So I think it's going to be a game changer for the city. So okay, I was wait, wait. involved that's with super, that, and that's super yeah, meaningful that awesome. and amazing. But I think Ethan and I are too. thinking, and the audience yeah. is thinking, why, <laughs> yeah. why were you there? Like, what, Char- Charlie's got a Charlie's got an expensive uh, PR team when he showed up today. Yeah, he no, paid them overtime yeah. last night to come up. With I'm, that I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm part of a group that supports the organization, so we've been funding um, the That's the amazing. architects and uh, Embrace Boston, which is the organization. So. That, are they so, are they staying at one of your houses? How does that how does that work? <laughs> so uh, forgive me, uh, you guys and, and YouTube fam for not being a part of that conversation yesterday. But uh, to to go back on this travesty, um, there there are, are things that we have all seen in the locker room that we've been a part of that you know you're taking that to the grave with you. It'll never be talked about. That it's an unwritten rule, right? It's code. Um, I was talking about it today with, with a close friend. You know, it's just code. You just don't break it. And especially when you're your best friends, that, that's that's like saying you or Heath that something came between us and we're all of a sudden going to dig up dirt from, you know, what, 20 years down the road about things we did as, uh, as players. You don't do that. 
mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about kids and families involved. That that you just don't do that. I I can't say from Sebastian Berhalter's experience with Claudio Reyna and and not having his contract picked up if that played a role in hey we're boys and you're going to drop my kid like who who I thought we had a good relationship. I don't know if that played a role with Gio Reyna. What I do know, the facts that I do know is that Gio Reyna came into camp, he had been battling injuries, didn't was known to not have a good attitude from the very jump from the beginning. This is not this is not new. To people you're you're within, not saying the beginning of the World Cup camp. You're talking about. I'm talking about time with the U.S. Yes, I'm. Okay. I'm talking all the Just way. Just making back sure to, that's clear. I want yes, to make sure everybody understands that to the Nations League semifinal, right? So, we're we're talking about from that point on, he ha- had been known to not not be treating people the best and having the best reactions. That is a a known fact. To and and Greg Berhalter maybe maybe not knowing how to deal with that at that stage. And players seeing that to all of a sudden saying, you know what, you're you're not going to be starting in in this in this World Cup, at least the first couple of games. I think for the players, they respected the way that Greg Berhalter finally handled that situation. And, and maybe it's not so much the you're not starting, but it's the uh, we're not taking your attitude because of of you not uh, as a result of you not starting and the pouting and we're about to send your ass home. So I think he gained a lot of respect from the team. Gio Reyna then saw that the team backed the manager and said, okay, well, I got to apologize for this. And yeah, I, I haven't so, been the best teammate. So it was that. Okay. that so here's the distinction. Point. I, I want to okay. make sure. Did, did, did Greg Berhalter, I'm, I'm very curious about this. I'm pretty sure that Greg Berhalter said to Gio, if you want to stay or whatever that, that discussion was, you have to apologize to the group. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to know whatever the distinction is or the, the distinction between whether Gio said, hey, I should apologize to the group or Greg forced him to do that. Because that's two different things completely. And Heath, I don't know, or Charlie, if you guys know, I think Greg told him that's what he has to do. Okay, but and that, way, and that, he, he did it. He, well, he did, he did it, but I'm just saying it, it's, it comes from a different place if you voluntarily say, yeah, you know what? I've had a bad attitude. Let me let me go do it. And take yeah, that's a lot to it. ask of somebody at that I'm age. Just saying, I'm just life. saying, I'm just saying, I think that's an yeah. interesting clarification yeah. that needs to be made because it's, it's uh, uh, that just speaks but, to but, something but, there. But I guess he's I, very young. I get it. Yeah, but Jim, either way, sometimes you're, you, you're not looking at it from that perspective. It's until the coach sits down with you and says, you don't see it that way. Cause you're imagining something completely different in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, a coach says, guess what? You've been, you've been shitty. So you're going to have to apologize to the team. And then you say, okay, maybe you're right. I have, let me, let me think about that for a second. Yeah. Maybe you're right. I'm going to apologize to the team. So he did that team accepts it. They move forward, right? Should be done. Right. How many things have we seen in the locker room? Worse probably much worse than this, that it was done and no one ever spoke of that again. There was, there was, we didn't see any books. We didn't see any, any news articles, what during the time and after it's gone. Right. What, what, what we all know now is that once that happened, that Gio was told he wasn't going to play, obviously he's frustrated. He calls his parents, his parents get pissed. Okay. That's fine. But to take it a step further and then to say, hey, do something. This is this is criminal. My son's the best on the team or one of the best. He should be playing. This is this is 
he's he's trying to hurt me because I didn't pick up an option. Whatever you're you're saying, we all know when we were playing, the coach makes the decisions. That's it. Parents, you don't have a. There's no shot your parents parents have any uh, sway in decision making or whatever they say. It's done. You whatever the coach says, he says. But to take it that to that, we're trying to hurt you. We're gonna we're gonna put information that you did, you know, thirty years ago out. What for real? Yeah. Listen, listen. I said it yesterday, but Come I would on. be mortified as a grown ass man if my parents were getting involved in my business at this point. Um, maybe at nineteen, I would have felt a little bit different. But as I got into my twenties, like, dude, what do you like, mom and dad? Just stay out of my stay out of my stuff. So, so I wonder what this means for their relationship moving forward. Obviously, a conversation properly probably with a proper therapist, <laughs> uh, somebody that specializes in this type of stuff. Um, with regard to your comment, Charlie, about keeping it into a locker room, Greg Berhalter did have a speech on LinkedIn today yeah, where he had a scheduled um, meeting, a one-on-one, and for, for the, the Howe Institutes for Society's summits on moral leadership. Okay, so Lots to unpack there with that. That's quite a mouthful in terms of a title of a, of a program. Mm-hmm. But he said, if I had to do it again, this is Greg Berhalter, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't have told that story about Gio to that leadership conference where he didn't name the player, but it was pretty clear who he was talking about. It brought too much attention to an overall shining example of team culture and teamwork. That would be something I'd go back and change for sure. So that that's one of the comments. We're going to look at all Greg Berhalter's comments, but that's the first okay. one, Heath. And Heath, I'll come to you on this with regard to... Him actually, and fair play to Greg for getting out there despite what's going on. I think everybody would have understood if he declined to take this opportunity to be a part of this this summit. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I look at it through the lens of when it happened, we all went after Greg Berhalter of saying these are things that you don't repeat. It was wrong of him, and we were very, at least I was, very clear on. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy, I know you were too about he you could he wanted to he wanted to clear he wanted to get it out there, right? He didn't do it out of like I think he needed to get that off his chest. He wanted that feeling because that was a lingering thing from the World Cup that was carrying probably a pretty big message, and it was wrong. Just about every coach I know is has made that type of mistake in the past where they air dirty laundry or they say things, right? We talk about it all the time, managers of Europe, differing from Jose Mourinho to to other managers that keep things in-house to when you see a manager and then you say, well, is he starting to be on 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 the on the on the outs because he's starting to throw players under the bus? That's all part of the <laughs> drama of the game. He didn't mention him by name. It was wrong for him to do, but like Charlie said just a minute ago, the statement uh, uh, the, the response to that is really, really wrong, right? I think Greg Berhalter made a mistake. I think Greg Berhalter should have publicly uh, apologized for that. Of course, he wants to change that now because that's sort of what publicly kicked all this stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wants to stay on uh, as as the national team coach now. And I and I wonder what type of I mean, this is this is a lot of chaos. It's a lot of drama that was avoidable in a lot of ways. Uh, and now we are playing it out again in a public forum, which I think is is just wrong. I've seen a lot of people also online comparing like the wrongs of the two and trying to say like, well, one did one bad no, thing, the other one did another it, bad it's, thing. It's, it's, it's all I, it's all it's all bad. And yeah. and the person who makes out the worst is is Greg Berhalter's wife. Mm-hmm. That she she's the one here who is the the sole victim. There, there's that is the the person who was taken strays 
for no reason and has to bring this up. I hear people saying, oh my God, how can you, Charlie, just say, you know, not address the fact that this is domestic abuse. I mean, they, yes, he knows he was in the wrong. He he brought it up. He, he, he said, let me get ahead of this before everyone else knows. I did kick, I kicked my wife and who knows what the real story is or whatever. They're married. They have children. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure their children don't know th this story. I'm, I'm, I, I would like to bet that their children never heard about this. And now they have to, now they have to be told what exactly happened and how they dealt with it. And just what, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. no one's well, saying, it, it's a today, great thing, yeah. but we, we've all, we all know you change life changes you for the, for, uh, and I'd like to think for the better in a lot of cases, that's not the case for everyone. But man, it's not like they're they're married, happily married with four children. What? Yeah, Jimmy. One of the things, and and I'm curious your thought on this uh, is is when he when he was asked early on in, in his in this whatever you call it today this forum summit, summit um, uh, about about the situation. He, he basically said, "I stand by by the statement right that they made," and and. I think there's obviously still a lot of details missing, right? There's this gray area happening now between threats and blackmail and all these, all this context that's missing, right? You have two statements, um, both claiming which one, one is more extreme than the other. The story is not true and adding up, but for, for you, where do you think it, I guess it goes from here. Do you think it, do you think it dies off? Uh, and I mean, obviously it'll die off no. because we, we all just get on with our lives on from like a, from like a, a bigger picture view. But for them personally, for these families, for their names, for their reputations, and all this type of stuff, do you think it has? Ultimately, I think it has to have a negative effect on everyone involved. Unfortunately, yes. there's nobody but, that uh, comes out with like a we'll you know we'll overlook this or whatever. But Heath, I would say for the Reynas in particular, this is going to carry Gio, with Gio for the rest of his career. Yeah, but this I, is unfortunately it's it, it's not going to make or break the success of his career, but this will always be with him, and it's not. Not necessarily his fault, right? It's his parents. Let me. Claudio, let me let, this is forever going to be with Claudio. Let's, there has let's, been there's been a few controversies in U.S. Soccer's past that we know about mm -hmm. around big yeah. World Cups, big strikers, things that took place. And I promise you, with the people that are involved, we don't have to talk about those things here to compare them because it's not about comparing. Yeah. Every Always time, comparing. every time <laughs> those names are mentioned to me. The first thing I think about was something that happened before I was even around a national team, before I was even yes. part of it. Are you talking about John Harks and Eric Winalda? <laughs> that is an example of, of, of one. That is an example of one where names. That, like, that has followed John Harks mm -hmm. his entire life. Now, he's gone on to be successful still, and he did a lot of TV, and he's gone on to have his thing. But it's still this thing that follows him and sits next to him everywhere he goes because it happened in the way that it did. That was pre-social media, pre-basically internet. That was pre, you know, that was when things used to come in the newspaper and you had to grab it while it was there or it was gone, right? Um, type of thing. And and that that is the level. Um, and again, not to comp I don't think the levels are comparable because they're isolated situations, but a situation that happened um on a national team level that has not gone away to this day. I would say that if Claudio Reyna was due to get a statue, he might not be getting it anytime soon. I think this will stay in his legacy. 
I that was think, a Martin Luther King statue, Jimmy. Not a well, no, listen, yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, tying that into Martin Luther King. I don't know what Charlie's doing in his free time, but I really respect that he's spending this, doing that, trying statues. to make the world a better place. We love you, Chuck. So, hey, love, we missed, love we is needed, here. love is needed. With regard to the legacy of Claudia Reyna, I do think it stains it. Mm -hmm. I think it will follow him around. And these were choices that he made. When I think about the statement the Burhalters put out, which feels very measured, obviously, as it should be, about how much they want to reveal about that night, how much they want to share to the public about something that's extremely private. And to your point, maybe their kids didn't know. So they want to be thoughtful about how and what gets said. And then on the other statement, from Danielle Reyna in particular, very reactionary that 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 night was minimized in their statement and still feels very emotional. That's horrible, man. And it doesn't it, feel... It is, there's nothing oh. worse. It's like, oh, I didn't mean to do this. By the way, it yeah. was much worse than they said it was. It was crazy yeah. oh, oh, about still, the people who are saying it. Point. You, yeah. like, you, you still didn't get the point. You're coming back to it. You still want it. You still want it, people to no. dig deep. Guys, yeah. it was actually far worse. They minimized yeah. it. And she forgave about? him. And she forgave him. It's, In the message, she says she forgave him. But she's still saying they're not telling the truth about their own story, which is their story to tell. And, and wait, but you're going to also be crazy. in their wedding. Oh, wait, you're also going to be his best friends. Oh, wait, he, he was hired as coach and you were all happy. But it's all of a sudden now? It's, it's where, yes. where was that? Where was that energy 20 years ago? Where was that energy 15 years ago? Yeah, 10 years ago? Yeah. When you played, when he was going to the national team with, with Gio? I mean, with Claudio, uh, for me, and people are saying, was it Danielle or Claudio? Claudio. They're a couple. They're well, so, a married so, couple. So Danielle, when, when Danielle called Ernie Stewart, apparently Claudio was present for the call. And there's a statement from Claudio saying, I second the statement from Danielle from yesterday. Now he does, and, and Heath, I thought, did a nice job of some detective work here, of saying that in his statement, he says I a lot, Claudio. I didn't try to blackmail anybody there's not a we there it's a lot of i <laughs> which is mm -hmm. which is super funny uh when you start to think about it and and when they're putting that their their stuff just feels very reactionary and i think that is going to stain the reina legacy in particular and follow geo around now yeah. if geo starts to shed it and starts to distance i just have to like privately distance himself from his family but but publicly he might just want to keep some space put his head down get back to work start playing well and then come back with the national team. Have a good attitude, obviously, when you come back. Be a good professional. And if he plays well and does well, all is going to be forgiven because that's just how it works in sports. Yeah. Now, now, it does, though. It is going to follow him around a little bit. But I think he can grow and emerge from that because yeah. I agree with you guys mm -hmm. that it's more about the parents and what they're trying to do and, and really just an overprotective mom trying to, to look out for her, her kid. And yeah. and. And when you when you take it all back, that's kind of what it is. And, and you wonder, just because, and, and this is the sad part of the Reina story, is that they lost a kid, at, I think he was 11 or 12 years old, to mm -hmm. brain cancer. And it was the saddest thing ever. And you wonder, just to, just to humanize Danielle for a split second here, because she's not acting rational, I think some of that irrationality comes, I lost one kid, I saw suffering and pain with one of my kids, I see it now in another one, and now I'm going to be like 10 times Jimmy, over the he's top. at a World Cup. I get that, dude. I'm just he's trying to like – He's at a I'm, World Cup. I get it. I'm trying to I'm trying to humanize Danielle as a mom I know, right but now. N not well, anything Humanize. But think just, about just perspective. Second, dude. I get it, about dude. loss I get of it. life versus going it. to a World Cup. I get it. Playing I get soccer. It. I get it. I, I get there, it. I just think – It's I just not think even close. Down, I get it. I know. I know. 
I'm just trying to kind of as a parent, I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes. Like this is, this is really irrational. So where does that come from? Cause it, it, I think if everything else on that side of it had been fine, I don't know if we see the same, maybe not, maybe there's some entitlement and privilege there. That's just going to be there no matter what, because of what they've accomplished both uh, Geo okay. and, or no, uh, as Claudia. I'm just saying for that split second, I just wanted to humanize that. Cause I, if we, where is this coming well, from? It gets well, deep. It comes from something very deep and she's yes. not acting rational. That's all I'm saying. Uh, uh, of course, it's it's a it's that mother. I, I'm going to scorch the earth for my son. I want him happy. Yes, I, I, right. Yes, right, 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 but, right. But there there's lines right that you you cannot cross. <laughs> we are, for, we're for, on the same page. I'm not where, on her side. I'm where, just trying where, to give her where, a little where, bit of like humanization. Where are you with the the domestic abuse? Because I see in the Quint chat, people are like, "Well, why aren't we talking about the domestic abuse?" I, I'm I'm struggling to to say anything negative than the actual fact that he 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 hit his his then girlfriend kicked her and and physically abused her but he obviously which was obviously the the wrong thing dude it's do. unacceptable but he, it's unacceptable it's, on every it, single level yes every level we but at that day we'll double down and say it and, again and, today and, like, and i don't care about the age i don't care about any any of, of right. that we said the same thing but yesterday. but it was addressed the families knew. They made amends. He obviously hadn't done, has not physically abused her since. They married. They went on to have kids, and this is where they are today. And from my experiences with Greg Berhalter, there's probably not an. He he's just been so open and friendly and nice, and I've never seen anything that signaled, "Oh, this guy's is bad news." Around us, he's a family man. He's positive so this is where we are today i don't i i really don't know why we're addressing this 30 years ago and people are saying oh he brought it up well he had to bring it up because this was going to become public knowledge after an investigation this was eventually going to come out to the public so why wouldn't you address it rather than hearing it from a statement from u.s soccer or a police report right so it's it's really I don't know why the hell we've had all this positivity around the sport, mm. around the team, the World Cup. There's not a better game to, to, to showcase what this game's about, the World Cup final. The country's all going in the right direction. All of a sudden, this is happening behind the scenes? Right. <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a stain. An un, it's so unnecessary. We're complaining about a, a player who was on a World Cup roster Who's playing in Europe for a top team in Dortmund? I, I, what the? I think I think especially uh, the the chat right now has just some very uh, divisive conversations happening right now around. Just I think there's some people that just are anti Greg Berhalter, and that's just going to stay that way no matter what what the what what the context or or, or cases are. And, and obviously, I think Jimmy, we covered it pretty comprehensively, and I appreciate Charlie's comments today. One thing, by the way, just to shift it a little bit that uh he said in the in, in his uh in this uh what, what's it called again today jimmy the summit was summit. and and i found this really unique and something that i think is overlooked quite often when we talk about success and failure right it's all degrees of success or failure when you go into a world mm -hmm. cup right making the knockout rounds maybe you next make the next game but if you did that ugly did you actually accomplish the goals did you actually move anything for like all the things that we know are varying degrees of success and failure but he talked about like he said that very rarely are our teams aligned uh 
wholly aligned when they go into a tournament, right? In terms of your staff, the players, yeah. everybody buying into the thing. And he said, mm -hmm. this team was fully, fully aligned going into this World Cup. And I, and, uh, I find that interesting because, uh, you know, he kind of, in the context of this Gio Reyna story, when you have a team that's fully aligned, then you are forced to fall into a line, right? You are forced to fall into line when you are a teammate, when you are a player, perhaps you don't get your way. And he goes on to talk a little bit about how, you know, giving players their roles and their news and they, they, they tend to uh, uh, accept those roles uh, and that information. And you can't have too many people that don't. And I find that really interesting the way this team has handled it and the players have just continued to move on from what happened at the World Cup. And yes, we know it, it came in, in, in another form after the, uh, after the team was out uh, about Gio Reyna. But I feel like that was a really unique perspective to have that his belief and and from our from the reaction of the fact that you had a team that was aligned with what Greg Berhalter was asking of of Gio Reyna was that they were all aligned on the goals and I think that's a rare thing to have uh, and I started to think about my own context of how many times I had individual conversations in the national team and in club teams and what other with others where you're kind of insecure about the coach or the system or the staff and how hard that actually is to get full buy-in, right? Or at least enough oh, buy-in so to, to, to get to, to move things forward. Especially for player 12, 13, 14, 15. They're on the, the, the verge or the precipice of breaking into the starting 11. The, the older player versus the young up-and-coming player. Both, both think they're deserving of a, of a spot. And so you start to have that dissension and then they get together and they, they start having their little clicks and Hey, you know, Hey, let me break in with this starter and say, Hey, don't you think I should be playing with you? That makes sense. Or this guy's playing poor. Why does the coach keep playing him? And having that, I think Greg was very conscious of these are my starting. This is my starting 11. This guy, I'm not subbing, substituting this guy, unless they're injured. So who can I bring into the squad? That's not going to give me problems, but who's going to add to the group. We talked about that. I have a problem though because I like the player who has a chip on his shoulder. I, I think that's necessary to have player the best players who maybe mm -hmm. aren't going to play because you you don't rate them or you don't think they're the best fit, but you have them on the bench so that when you put them in, they're hungry to, to say, I'm playing pissed off. I, I, I think you you get a lot of value out of players who play pissed off. I'm I'm for one, I was never happy being on the bench if I was on the bench, but I knew yes, you can play pissed off. But don't take away from the locker room. Don't take away from the positive spirit in the locker room. Don't be this guy who's trying to get people to turn against the coach or turn against certain players. There's a line, again, that you don't cross. So I'm not all, let's have this hunky-dory bench who's just happy to be there. I want players who are, who are hungry, who are pissed off, who want to play. And you can still pick those players without picking those the rotten apples who are absolutely never going to be happy and never going to be part of the team if they're not playing. I never thought Chuck was going to use a phrase that my mom used when I was growing up, hunky-dory, but I am here for it, Chuck. Hunky-dory is a, has a hell of a phrase. I will say <laughs> that I think what maybe frustrated not only Greg, but some of the players on the team was that when Gio got the news, he was just wearing it, you mm -hmm. know, and that he didn't respond in the way that you're talking about, Chuck, that he was like, you know what? F you, Greg Berhalter. I'm going to, I'm going to show you. Instead, he showed him by not really acting, not being a part of the group. I think that we've referenced that time after what we got a result against Iran where, where Pulisic scored, right? And he's in the mm. thing and he looks like he's all drugged up in the hotel lobby. In the hospital, excited. comes uh, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like buzzing. Then you see Gio kind of walking and he 
is not partaking in all that. And and the players notice that. It's not and they know that it's And that's not because, a misunderstanding either. That's like no, and not. I know during the World Cup I tried to not make a deal of it because I knew what the internet would do if I did. Uh so I was like I'm not going to uh say this or or create unneeded controversy for now. But when you see that body language, that is intentional. That is not that is not uh yes, he's young. He's he's a kid. Um and Yeah, you're and, not fake, and, faking it. Yeah. You're saying like you could have faked yeah. it. Well, yeah, I'm saying I'm saying that like being upset you can do in a lot of ways, right? As you get older, and and I've gone through this from my post career now, working through like different coaches and different experiences, and as you experience more in life, you start to look at things from a different perspective, and you start to maybe look inward a little more instead of saying like that person should have done it differently, and I would have then handled it differently. But when you see the body language like that, that is you are projecting that, right? Like you could be mm-hmm. upset. We could all right right now. We could all have come onto this show having a horrible day. And you can put that off to the side. You can you can compartmentalize that because uh, you know there's a time and place where you're going to be able to handle that, right? But we come on and you and you and you get to work. Uh, I I think that the same applies there. That he knew that he wanted that energy to be felt when you are young, especially. And and again, I give him I give him some some leeway because of his age uh, and because of the fact that he's got a lot to learn at that age. And and we all did, and we all continued to make mistakes at that age and and do things differently than we would definitely do now. But it was wearing it with Wait, a with a purpose. Truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you it, it seemed like he was wearing it. He, he was wearing that body language with a purpose. It was it was meant to send mm-hmm. a message, whether subtly or 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 in your face. And the fact that all of us saw it at different times, and all of us processed that of saying, "Wow, I just noticed that too." And it wasn't like a conspiracy theory type of like, "Oh yeah, he like looks away during something." Like he was clearly not up for the celebrations that everybody else was was part of that's a sign okay yeah no 100 percent. it was a sign well also some other things that were said during this uh, summit with greg burhalter he mentioned that he'd like to continue in the job for the u.s men's national team and i and i use that as a lead-in to the presser that happened last night as mm-hmm. ernie stewart who is a sporting director or the basically the guy running the u.s men's national team along with brian mcbride who's the general manager come out and he said that Greg is still under consideration to coach. Uh, Until the investigation and review takes place, Greg Berhalter is still in consideration to leave the United States. He also added, with regard to Gio Reyna, because there were questions about what was happening. (laughs) This is is an answer, by the way. But Ernie Stewart says, any player with a United States passport will be eligible to represent the U.S. moving forward. That is as legal as it gets. And, you know, fair play to you, Ernie Stewart. You were ready for that one. Cindy Cohn, who is the U.S. soccer president, came in and said, we don't know the timeline about what's happening with this internal investigation into Greg Berhalter and different things surrounding uh, what happened during the World Cup uh, because it's completely independent. Obviously, we need to speed this along so we can name the head coach of the U.S. men's national team and start gearing up for 2026. So, Chuck, uh, any any thoughts on anything Ernie or Cindy said? Or are you surprised that Greg came out and said he wants to continue as coach? I don't think we really are, but we also had at one point mentioned that maybe this was a good jumping-off point for him. Because of the history of having a second term or second World Cup cycle coach that we saw it with Bob, we saw it with Jurgen, uh, that they sometimes that second time around doesn't go as well as the first. Uh, yeah, you're you're spot on, and and I would say, of the American candidates, I don't see a better candidate. Unless you can prove me wrong, I don't see a better American candidate for this job. However, there are incredible candidates out there, so I would say. Like we said from the very beginning, you don't rush with this decision. This is not a rush decision. This is a, okay, 
is Didier Deschamps leaving France? Would he have any interest in coaching the U.S. men's national team? Would that be something, a direction you go? Is Yugi Love, is is he interested? Is uh, Pep Guardiola, would he eventually want to coach? Would Arsene Wenger, would you do a Pep Guardiola, Ancelotti? You go down the list and you go through each coach and you figure out which candidate would be the best fit for our group. Who's going to command the most respect so that this crap never happens? I don't care who your parent is. You, you shut them up and they have no chance of contacting me and they have no chance of, of having any sway. That's not even imaginable. One. Two, well, who, who's going to have the same commitment and has an idea of what our player pool looks like and, and who can get the best out of this group seeing them in this World Cup that they're a step away from competing for a semifinals in a FIFA World Cup. They're, they're not far. Especially in four years, when you throw in experience, you throw in all the the new blood that's going into Europe right now. You have no idea if some players mature faster than others, if players break in and and change. And all it takes is one coach, one club situation to change the game for a certain player. So we're not we're not that far away. So for in in, I guess I wouldn't be able to say who is the coach unless I see the candidates. I, right, I need to see right. the candidates. I would love to say, hey, U.S. soccer, who are you considering? Who are who are the five, your top five candidates for this role? Dave Sarakin. <laughs> How about you, Heath? What are your thoughts on on what uh, Ernie, Cindy, and Greg were talking about? Um, yeah, I think is uh, obviously there's pluses and minuses. We know we know Jimmy is very much a one term. Uh, you know, uh, I put my flag in the ground, I, I, and I appreciate that. I I I. I sit in the fence a little bit because I, I know that you need somebody that can continue to carry this this forward. I do think, again, going back to Greg Berhalter's comments about this team had no experience in the in the knockout rounds uh, of a, of a World Cup. Now they have experience of that of what that was like, what the, how different that is from the group stages. This team has a ton of experience now in Europe and things like that. So uh, you need somebody that can continue to move that forward. I think we sometimes forget that. There are dynasties of national teams when you're talking about the Brazils of the world. What did Brazil, Brazil do at this World Cup, right? What did, what, did, uh, what did Denmark do, who are one of the sort of the dark uh, horses of this World Cup out in the group stages? It is very hard to just continue to go forward at the leaps and bounds that we expect, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I think about 2026, I also think about 2030, knowing that some of it is your group, some of it is the timing, some of it is the development. We certainly have the talent. But how far along are we going to be? We need somebody that can continue to move us forward, knowing that is semifinals the goal after not getting out of the round of 16? Maybe. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the, the, um, the flex goal, like the overachiever goal. Uh, but, but I don't want us to take somebody who we think is just going to get us this short-term, that we think is going to be the short-term win in 2026, right? It's got to be consistent because there's going to be ebb and flow forever for our national team. We're not just going to get to one, as Americans expect, and then just stay at one forever. Again, I, I mentioned two teams only because it's at the stream of consciousness. There's a bunch of teams that underperform in this last World Cup that you would yeah. have said, oh man, whoever's in their country is thinking about their coach and their players saying, how, how did we fail if we have this good of a team and this quality and this much tradition and heritage? If you could pick right. any, if, for the, this is for the both of you. If you could pick any manager in the world right now, any manager for, for this team, who is that manager? Zidane would be pretty sick. Yeah. I wouldn't. I, and he's available. But, you, but do you think? Z, <laughs> uh, you, do you think Zizou though is a, I, I, a, for me? He's a more of a man manager and, and not so much a. This group also needs like tactics. I think. I think it's going to be. But I think that goes. 
I think Zizi would bring in a staff that I call them Zizi uh, like we're buddies, but but and maybe we are deep down. I don't know. But but is there? I think that would be in there somewhere. There would be some tactics. I think there would be a plan. I'm curious to see uh, Zidane as a as a national team manager because mm-hmm. the club the club scene is so much different than the national team scene. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a Pep or somebody like that. People that are obsessive uh, tactically that are obsessive right. with the day to day environment. Um, even Roberto Martinez failed in this World Cup, and I still like him as a man manager. The fact that he's been in that environment for years now, six years, seven years as a national team manager, like understands the flow. I want somebody that has some of that perspective of of like understanding, you know, very early on in, in that, in that conversation today, Greg Berhalter talked about the fact that you have to be more communicative. You have to do these things differently than when you're in a day-to-day environment. And it, it's not, it's not rocket science to know how different the national team job is than, than a club job. Listen, the, the Morocco coach would be sick. I really like his vibes a lot. Waleed Regragui. I thought he just really understood it. That said, I think he understands his players. I don't right. think he, yeah, I don't think he has, a I think, but he understands for, for Moroccan US. players. He understands how they grew mm-hmm. up. He played for the Moroccan national team. And so just the idea of someone like him, I guess, Chuck, is more what I would mm-hmm. be looking for. And I think in some ways, Greg's got us to a good point. You know, we got a lot of dual nationals in. I think there's been a, an identity that's starting to be set. I think the players look around. There's a lot of trust there, which we also talked about in the summit. And now I just think there's somebody else that can kick us on that next step further. And I hope that we make mm-hmm. that happen. All right. It's time for our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we'll talk about the interim coach that's in place for the January camp, Anthony Hudson. And we have our very own injury attorney joining us yes he's a philadelphia union season ticket holder and he's going to break down some of the legal implications between the reinas and the burhalters so do not go anywhere we'll be right back did you know that while over 60 percent of americans dream of starting their own business less than 20 percent of them take the first step the reason building a business is tough taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to growing your business taylor brands isn't just another tool it's your online business partner from launch to success With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, everybody, don't miss out on any of the Serie A action. And uh, the way you can do that is by following some of the biggest stars in the sport, like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leal, Latoro Martinez. They try to lead their teams to the Scudetto. Very exciting times. Maybe the most competitive league in all of Europe. So how will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find all the answers and stream every match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. And you can try one month free with the promo code Seria. That's S-E-R-I-E-A. So make sure you guys go <laughs> make that help. happen. It is. I wanted to say ah, but it's actually A. Siri A. 
So that is, uh, we want you to go watch it. It's, it's a great league and uh, one month free is a big deal. A lot of big games coming up in Italy. All right, welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And we have a very special guest that's going to join us right now. His name is Drew Heinold. He's a personal injury. Esquire. Esquire. That's right. Sorry. Let me redo that. Drew Heinold, Esquire, personal injury attorney at Salts, Mongolusi, and Bendeski in Philadelphia. He is a season ticket holder for the union as well. So a little doop, doop, doop to him. And uh, Drew, thank you for joining us first and foremost. Yeah, you listened to our podcast yesterday and we had talked about potential legal implications between what the Reynas are doing and the Burhalters are doing and who can do what and how. I said something about defamation. You went into the DMs, correctly stated that maybe defamation isn't going to really stick. And we kind of wanted to get your thoughts on if there is any legal implications that maybe the Burhalters can do to the Reynas or vice versa or what's happening here. Go ahead. Take it away. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I'll say if this fact pattern was one of my law school finals, I probably wouldn't have been a lawyer because it is complicated, convoluted, and there's a lot of different moving parts. Um, but yeah, I, I wondered, uh, I did uh, go into the DMs and give a little explanation and and I want to talk a little bit about kind of a couple different avenues. First, the first thing everybody says is defamation. Uh, but in this case, that's really not something that can go forward for one main reason. What the Reina said was a true fact. Mm-hmm. Greg Berhalter came out and admitted that what was said was a true event. So therefore, there's and that's the most important and key part is that it's defamation is a false statement. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not other potential avenues. One of the biggest ones would be, and, and it gets a little complicated and convoluted like the rest, is either what's called a tortious interference or tortious interference of a prospective economic advantage. And what that means is somebody from the outside either interferes with a business contract that you have or interferes with a business opportunity. And the timing of all of this makes it interesting because you know, for a tortious interference, there needs to be a contract. Greg Berhalter was the coach of the U.S. national team when this occurred. But the defendant needs to be aware of that. They need to purposefully provide information that can affect that contract. But where that really is going to get hung up for the Berhalters, if they decide they wanted to pursue it, is the damages. He saw his contract out to December 31st. There was no actual ramification to that. Now, in terms of the perspective economic advantage, this is where it comes interesting because if he doesn't stick around as the U.S. coach and gets rehired, there are arguments to be made that the statements by the Reynas impacted that. And then Mm -hmm. to what effect did that impact that? And it gets in the logistics of it, it gets very muddy because, you know, Ernie Stewart is friends with them. Brian McBride are friends with them. They'd get brought in and they'd have to ask questions about his actual coaching and his success or lack thereof, whatever, whichever side wants to present it. Um, You know, the decisions he made and whether those decisions would have led him not to be renewed of the contract. If that's the case, there's likely not much the Burhalters can do for this. Um, there is another avenue that it could be is a what's called intentional infliction of emotional distress. And basically it's someone makes a comment and, and, and does 
actions that are have to be extreme and outrageous, and the arguments can be true. Would this be in the case of 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 uh, Greg Berhalter's wife, for example? So it actually could be both. Hers would arguably be stronger than his because she was a victim of this traumatic event and having to relive that, having her family relive that, what is it, 31 years later, uh, you know, that would kind of be the direction that there potentially would be a claim. But then there's also the question of, as the Burhalters, is it worth it? What is the damages? What is what's worth dragging the family deeper into this than what it is? If he gets a job and goes to Europe and he ultimately wanted to go to Europe, what is the damages for the interference into the contract? Um, uh, I will say sickening to hear. In, in hearing the uh, uh, talking about his comments today, which I had, hadn't heard until I was listening to you guys. Halter's comments today about he wants to still be the coach. I don't know if that, to what extent that is purposely put in because, you know, they probably have already talked to, to somebody. And, and as you heard, everybody, once this comes out, everybody has someone in the background advising them words to say and what mm. to say and what not to say. But certain comments that are made um, have hurt and helped each side. And, you know, it's it's tough when you're really into it to think two, three years down the road, if you're in a courtroom, those comments in the first 48 to 72 hours, you know, could really have an impact. But from both sides, that's the case. Yeah. Hey, Drew, let me let me ask you this. Um, with regard to Greg Berhalter's statement, he said that there somebody had contacted U.S. soccer with information that could, in quotes, take me down. Is that an assumption of a blackmail or a threat? Because I think that's what a lot of people are hung up on right now is some of the language being used. And we've talked about it while, while, while you were uh, in, in, the, in the green room on the show about, you know, uh, Claudio Reynas using the word I a lot, his wife using the word I, and not a lot of us's and we's in certain things to cover, you know, specific statements. And then Greg Berhalter saying, you know, this information that could take me down uh, in, in quotes, I mean, where does that lend into kind of where this goes from here? Because some of it seems quite accusational, right? Yes. And, and one of the interesting factors is where, what court would this case play out in? There's a, you know, and it depends on where the phone calls are made, where the harm is done. One of Judge, the areas- Judge Judy. Coach Judy. Judy. Well, I think she makes her own rules. So. I want I want them to go on Maury Povich. Can we figure that out? But realistically, this one of the places would be Illinois because that's where U.S. soccer is. And their rule, laws for blackmail, uh, they call it extortion, uh, there needs to be actual damage. And at this point, there it runs into the same issues that you run that we talked about with the tortious interference and, and the potential contract. That could be an avenue, and that would kind of run the same line. Now, the, the, that could potentially be limited to just the U.S. soccer um, uh, contract and not necessarily any endorsement impact that that could have for him because she was not the one to make that public and he was. So from the extortion blackmail side, that's kind of where I see it from the initial. Uh, Drew, all I have to say is 
this is incredible um, for you to break it down like this. So we appreciate you on the show. Um, this because this is awesome. Uh, I I've learned a lot, and uh, hopefully the Burhalters and the Reynas can just move on with their life, and, and it doesn't come to this long, you know, lawsuit that drags out and, and and involves the kids. Which is that that for me, what I'm thinking about is they're kids on both sides. Yeah, and and you'd expect and hope that any attorney that they consult with will weigh the all of those factors including that on whether it's whether it's worth pursuing mm-hmm. well there he is everybody drew heinold esquire <laughs> make sure you follow him on instagram at philly law we appreciate you drew and i'm gonna echo the sentiments from charlie that was some great insights and we're gonna have to have you back on very soon especially if this does go to something bigger in the legal department. There we go. Absolutely. Drew, everybody, Absolutely. appreciate Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate Good it. Good luck to the union this season. Let's get after it. All right, so let's move on to Ricardo Pepe because apparently he came out and said that once uh, Greg <laughs> It never Bur- stops, guys. It never, it never stops. stops. Once Greg Berhalter <laughs> called him and said uh, he wasn't going to be on the team, Ricardo your Pepe claims that he hung up, that he just hung up on him. Once get he your boy. He he, be on the hey. I, that sounds like a, na- a natural response. Like I, I don't need to yeah. hear anything else. Yeah. Hey, all three I, I of remember us when I've been on the other side of that. We've been call. on the other side yeah. of that. When Bob called oh, and said, yeah. "Hey, you're not gonna be part of it," you're just like, "Okay, we're done." You hey. know, you li- you're listening, but you're not listening anymore. I, I yeah. I, you know, I, I've shared, I've shared, I've shared my story before about how we had to keep our phones on us till midnight. It was, it was like 1:30 in the morning when we found out. Uh, all of that emotion, all of that time, all that effort. When I was told. The one thing I still get hung up on is the fact that Bob Bradley sent Jesse Marsh to deliver the news. And Bob may have been uh, purposely doing that to avoid having sit-downs, focusing on the next thing at hand, or for whatever reason he did it. It's a thing that's bothered me since that day. After I received that information, I was literally walking on the streets for two, three hours, just walking. I didn't know what to... I was truly in shock. I blacked out. I I, I must have walked like... I don't know, five, six, seven miles just walking because I was trying to process this information, right? It was something that I had spent all of this time on and being cut from teams when you're younger happens more. When As you get older, you're in contract and life becomes kind of fluid at that point, right? Like you're in a camp or you're out of a camp. There's not like a, there's not an expiration date. Right. And when you put not just three years of qualifying into it uh, or whatever it is, you put your whole life into getting to that point. Now, Ricardo Pepe will have maybe three more chances to make a World Cup team if he if he has the career that we that I think he can. But for me, I was in shock. And I therefore, the hanging up thing, um, it doesn't seem like it's that level. Like, it is not, at that point, it is not Greg Berhalter's place to control the reaction of somebody and how they feel, especially a young person, right? Their reaction is their reaction, and you have to respect whether they explode, whether they go silent, whether they have nothing to say, whether they hang up the phone. It is it is their ownership, and it is their right to feel a certain way about a moment like that. It is a very personal and intimate moment. So I don't I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, it's funny, but I don't see anything wrong with it. Okay, hold on, Charlie. Before we get yeah. your thoughts on this, let's actually yeah. hear the audio from Ricardo Pepe, and then then we'll get your thoughts. I remember exactly the, the moment. You know, I just had. I hopped on a phone call with a national team coach and, you know, he said that I wasn't on the, on the roster. So then I just hung up the phone on him. I like, didn't ask why. No, not really. To be honest, you know, it was just something that I was in shock. You know, I was in shock because it took me like five minutes to be able to like, just get it in my mind. You know, at first I thought it was like a, you know, I, I just couldn't believe it, you know? And then, um, 
I was just talking to the coach. And then when we hung up the phone, then I just called my agent immediately. And then I called my dad. And then they thought I was playing with them. So, sure. yeah, I mean, it was something that, you know, I was I was shocked, to be honest. And, you know, like I said, I use every situation and every every situation like this is always going to make me hungry and it's always going to motivate me to to keep working and, and working hard. Yeah, it's a good growth mindset. I like that. I'm still mm-hmm. shocked that he didn't make the team, to be honest, especially. Yeah, he made a move <laughs> from the Bundesliga. To basically guarantee his spot as long as if he, he was scoring and scoring goals, if he was scoring, he scoring holding yeah. up his hold up play was good. His playing a move, it's, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Don't get me mad about it all over again. Go ahead, Chuck. What were you going to say about this? <laughs> How would you have reacted? I mean, I think Rick, I agree with Heath that yeah, I mean, once once you get the news, it's up it's up to the player to learn to to decide how they want to process it. So, and, my, and, but there's a part of it really quick. I just yeah. wish that he would have asked Greg why. Uh, I I would love to have heard how Greg would have explained his way out of that, but but go ahead. Yeah. Well, first I want to say like my situation was was very different than than everyone else's. Um, and I broke curfew. I'm involved in a car accident. Uh, I'm in the back seat of a car. Um, it it goes off the road, splits in half. Um, I'm airlifted to the, to the hospital. I have all these injuries. I suffer the consequences from a physical and mental standpoint. And, uh, and I, I didn't blame anyone else. I, it was, I put myself in that position. So I figured the only way I could make up for that, that decision is getting back on the field. And the world cup was what was pushing me to get out of bed every day. So I thought as crazy as my body was and as mangled as, as I was, I thought, man, I can, I can, I can push myself to get back to the world cup. And to Bob's credit, he never once said Charlie broke curfew. He is done. He has no chance of playing on the national team. Or Charlie broke his femur, his tib fib. He's never going to recover. He's never going to be the same player. Those statements never came from him. Never. It, it could have been so easy for Bob to say Charlie's done. He embarrassed the team. He he he, he lost our trust. Blah blah blah. Never. Instead, he said we're behind Charlie. He's fighting for his life. Hey, we're behind Charlie. We see him uh, in his rehab. We're wishing him the best. That was it. So I'm on. I'm now in in my mind. I have a chance. So I'm pushing. I'm pushing. I'm pushing. I'm running after you know three and a half months on the Alter G. It's not real, but in your mind, you're like I'm jogging. So finally, it gets to April. Now May is when he makes that first uh, cut, I guess, to 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 the to the roster and says, "This is my camp of 35 players." I, I think it is. So. He sends uh, the, the trainers um, up, and and um, Ivan comes to France to watch me train, and I'm and he's videotaping me to send back to Bob, and I'm doing all my best trying to make sure my form looks good and and everything, and I'm like, I still have a chance. Hey, uh, Ivan, how do I look? And he's like, Hey, you look, you're looking better. You, obviously, he's not going to say you're far off, but he's like, Hey, keep going. You, you. So. I, I in my mind, I'm going to get to the camp, and that's it. I'm probably not going to make the 23. But at least I got back to that camp, that World Cup camp. And finally, I get that call from Bob the night before that roster goes. And he's like, hey, Charlie, we're going to have this. We're going to have this conversation at some point. And I'm not going to take you. But don't let this stop your progress. Like I'm and at this point, I'm tears yeah. are just running down my face. My my wife is next to me, Nina. She's got tears running down her face because she knows what is being said to me. And 
I'm I'm there, but you know, you you're you like yeah, like a shell of yourself. Yeah. And yeah. he's just like, you gotta keep going, you've gone this far. But it, it there's I don't know if I've ever experienced like a, a true pain like that until uh <laughs> four, four, five years, six years later. But I I'll always respect Bob Bradley for that. I'll always respect him because he could have easily said, screw that kid. He 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 broke curfew, he you know, did all this, but he didn't. So when I think about a coach who could have easily just thrown a player and and said these things to the media to make himself look better or to pr- protect his image, he didn't do that. He stuck by my side. So any any if, if Bob ever ever need anything or if, if I I will be the first person to say, hey, Bob's a, Bob's a real one. At the end of the day, he could have easily just trashed me, said anything, or or took away my hopes and dreams. Never, not once. He always supported me. So. Um, that that's my experience is as bad as it was and as painful as it was, I respected him. And, and so that's, you know, that's how I took it. It could have, I know it's, we, 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 we should have, we should have Bob on at some point and really just get yeah. it out there. Cause we all have three very different Bob stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just having a come to Jesus moment with Bob Bradley could be a, a, a podcast in the future, assuming he'll ever come on and humor us, uh, with regard to that. All right. That's the show. For today in Soccer We Trust has come to an end. I know that I mentioned some January camp talk and Anthony Hudson talk, but we have more shows next week. We'll get into it a little bit more. The roster hasn't dropped yet for that camp. We said we'd do two a week moving forward, Jimmy, but we just can't. Like people we, just we can't help ourselves. U.S. soccer will not leave us alone. We, 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 <laughs> hey, let's world go. Wants more, more in Soccer We Trust podcast. What are we going to do about it? What I, are we going to do I, about I, it? I promise I won't be around a, a monument being put up so I, I can be on these emergency podcasts. It's worthwhile, Charlie. It's worthwhile. No, hey, you're doing a great thing, Charlie. Doing. We appreciate it. Yeah. We're just giving you a hard time because that's what we no. do here on the no, show. No, you know I love you guys. We love you too, man. That's what it's all about. All right, everybody. We are done for today. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. And hopefully Christian Pulisic has a great weekend as well. Apparently he limped off today in Chelsea's game against Manchester City. So fingers crossed everything is good there. And on behalf of Des and producer Alex and Charlie and Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching the Soccer We Trust. And we'll Respect, see you next y'all. Week. Later. Much love. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.